This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Rutgers rant. Politi here. Fonseca Lenny. A victory. 24-7 Rutgers victory over Northwestern to start the 2023 season. We talked about it ad nauseum that this was a must-win game. And not only did Rutgers win, but Rutgers won convincingly. And I, I think we saw a lot of really positive things. I wrote about it after the game. Just the idea that if you were coming to the stadium on Sunday, looking for some signs of hope, you got it. You got it from the offense. You certainly got it from the defense. You got it from the quarterback and you got it from the coaching staff. I thought it was a really good way to positive way to start the season. Again, we all know Northwestern's not good. They're they're going to the bound for the bottom of the, of the big 10 understanding that, but still, this is not a finished product, this team. And I thought what you saw from them was a nice step that gives you hope that this season would be different from, from the last few seasons. So I'm going to ask each one of you, Pat, Pat, why don't you start for you? What was the most positive development that you took out of the game? Um, so the defense did exactly what I thought the defense was going to do, which was dominate the game, five sacks, two turnovers. I really thought coming into this game, the defense was really going to dominate. So that didn't surprise me. What I'm going to say, my biggest takeaway was, how Minnesota-esque the offense looked. Mm. And my point there is that Minnesota last year led the Big Ten in time of possession and third down efficiency. Uh. Just with the way they were able to run the ball and keep the chains moving and play ahead of the sticks. And I thought those first two touchdown drives, you know, 16 plays, eight minutes each, 80 yards, whatever, 75 yards, that that was exactly the way that Rutgers wants to play offensively. It's never going to be flashy, but it's going to be efficient and that it's going to simplify the throws for Gavin, which you saw, like he wasn't having, mm-hmm. he didn't have to make third and 15 throws. He had to make third and five and he was able to go through his progression. So I think Rutgers wants to play ahead of the sticks, control the clock. And that's why my biggest takeaway was that Rutgers looked like the golden gophers a lot from last year. 
Brian, are you with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think Rutgers kind of just showed the blueprint of what they need to do to win games this season. The defense was dominant like we expected them to be. Uh, the defensive line was awesome, just swarming everywhere. The secondary took advantage of, of mistakes. Max Melton with a great interception, Robert Longerbeam with an interception. And then the offense, they ran the ball a lot. And despite missing maybe their top two running backs, they just played really well. Kyle Manungai, Deshaun Benjamin, had a really uh, who had a really good uh, debut as a true freshman. Uh, those guys just kept running, uh, even in pass protection. Kyle Manunga has that enormous block. Yeah, that, that was a great moment. Uh, un- un- incredible. And then Gavin Wimsett, I thought, you know, look, he did nothing spectacular. His lo- longest throw was 20 yards, I think. But he didn't turn the ball over, rarely put it in danger, threw the ball away when there was nothing there, which is a huge step for him. Uh, made the throws he had to, had a gorgeous pass to Ian Strong for that first touchdown. And ran the ball well when he when he tucked it and ran, uh, including that touchdown where he dropped his shoulder and got into the end zone. So I would say this was about as good a game as Rutgers could have played. I think you're right that I mean I said before the game Northwestern stinks that they were worse than I could have even imagined. They were they were bad. So it's hard to tell exactly how much of this was Rutgers showing improvement, how much of this was them playing a poor opponent. But even if the opponent is poor, Rutgers did what they should do to a poor opponent, suffocated them beat them, gave them no chance of, of, of life. There was no point in that game where Northwestern showed any life. Um, so I think really can't ask for a better start to the season for Rutgers than, than that. It's interesting. And I, this is not what I was expecting from Kirk Shiraka's offense. And, and, and check me if I'm wrong. I wasn't standing there at training camp every day. You guys might know this is exactly what it was. But I thought there'd be more RPO. Uh, I thought it was going to be a, a run-first system uh, built around that. You know, I, I thought it would, we'd see more tight ends. Yeah, I, but they they put three receivers out there, and they put the ball in, in the quarterback's hands and said, okay, all right, this is on you. And that, to me, is a really good sign because it shows they trust Gavin Wimsett. Um, They talked all offseason about making sure that, that, that he – protected the football and a couple of times on that very first drive threw the ball away and that was a, that's a great sign you okay that's a quarterback who's 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 figuring it out dead plays dead uh and then he bounced back from a couple of bad throws which i thought was another positive sign like you know he, he clearly is confident in a way that he wasn't in his first couple of years and as i wrote this morning this shouldn't be as a surprise he arrived here he's 17 years old you know he, we forget about this like he's a high school senior he had Eight months from his graduation, he stepped foot on campus. Now he's 19. He's going to turn 20 next month. I mean, yeah, even in this instant gratification world, we probably expected too much from him. Pat, maybe he's right. Maybe he's right where he was supposed to be right now. When I went back and did that history of Rutgers quarterbacks and development or or lack thereof, if you read the article, (laughs) it was it was really about how do we get quarterbacks to play for four years at Rutgers and not to use, not to steal Greg Shiano's favorite, favorite line here, but like, how do you get them to the end of that pipeline? Right? Like Ryan Hart was a four-year starter. Mike Teal started a little bit as a freshman was a four-year starter. Like all those quarterbacks that made the list of the top 10 best quarterbacks were mostly guys that played for three, four years. Like to rewind the clock a little bit and exactly what you said, Steve, Gavin Wimson was 17 years old when he got here. The expectations yeah. were through the roof. Even, even to go back to the guy who, if you want to bring up Tom Savage, right? Like that's the guy that Wimsett always gets compared to because he was e- on equal footing in, in mm-hmm. terms of the recruiting ranking or whatever. 
Savage uh, had a really good freshman year, but it wasn't against the competition that Wimsett was playing. I mean, Wimsett last year got thrown into the thick of the Big Ten schedule, you know, and there's there's no sugarcoating. He definitely struggled, but right. he does look like he made the step. Uh, the offense looks like it's perfectly tailor-made for him. And one thing I did notice about the offense was they were letting that play clock run and run and run. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing there waiting for the waiting for the snap. And I think that's very intentional. I think like Rutgers wants to slow everything down in the grand scheme of things so that he makes better decisions, has time to process. And uh, you asked about Shiraka's offense. I think this was exactly what we saw in training camp and exactly what I expected. It was a great line. You mentioned the slowing it down. Great line from Max Melton after the game is like he called it bittersweet. And he's, you know, last year we were on the field the entire game. This year, I was I was wondering, am I going to play? It was just like a great, yeah. a great point. They only had eight minutes in the first half. And so you're looking, well, the defense has been quiet. Well, of course the defense has been quiet. They've been on the, the sideline. And then you saw in the second half, they got out there more and they were rested. Brian, I think that's a big part of it. Like when I thought of that team last year, the games they had a chance to win in the Big Ten and didn't win – they were asking the defense to just, we need you guys to pull a miracle here. We're going to give them, we're going to give them the ball, the other team the ball 15 times on your side of the field. All you have to do is stop them every single time and maybe win this game. That wasn't the case this time. You know, it was, it was the defense was out there uh, 22 minutes and rested and rotating guys in that we, you know, so you, so even the, even then, and someone asked like, well, well how, why did you have the starters in the game at the end? Well, one, they wanted to preserve the shutout and two, they hadn't played a lot. Right. It's not like they were playing excessive amount of snaps and they're in danger of getting hurt. They, they played probably less than they usually would in yeah. a normal game. Yeah. And to your point in the rotation, the defensive line, the strength of this team, maybe alongside running backs, is so deep. And they just can't. The one, you could see how good they can be when they're all fresh. I mean, aside from maybe Wesley Bailey, who got dinged up in the first half, didn't come back in the second half. Greg didn't seem overly concerned about that. But aside from him, everyone's playing, a, a, rotating a decent amount of snaps, and everyone makes a big play. Renee Conga has a big game. Uh, Mo Ture in his return from the ACL tour last year has a few big plays. Seemed like I was watching them during the alma mater. He's next to Greg Schiano, and I couldn't tell if it was sweat because it's really hot out, or if it, it looked like he was tearing up, emotional about um, about uh, wow. being able to be back on the field. You look at uh, you know just Maya Hanatu had a tackle for loss. I think they had five sacks, eight tackles for loss, and just about eight guys that got into that. I can't remember the exact number. I believe it was six. The point being that. The wealth was shared around. There was no one dominant guy. The unit was really dominant. Um, and I, I do want to talk about, on the other side of the ball, another unit, um, wide receivers. I know we spent a yeah. lot of time in the yeah. offseason wondering who's going to be the guys that are going to step up and and you know take over the the snaps they lost in the offseason. It was, I don't know the exact numbers, but it seemed like a bunch of guys got touches. Isaiah Washington had a big game. Chris Long, uh, Christian Dremel got a couple catches. Uh, Jackson had a couple catches. Just... Um, it seemed like no, no, no one really stood out. No one had a big game, but they had a bunch of guys having solid games, which bodes well, I think, because if you can spread around the wealth, uh, give Gavin Wimsett more targets, the more the better. Absolutely. All right. And we, you mentioned the defensive line. We would be remiss not to mention Marquise Watson, uh, their coach, 28 year old guy, more like a big brother from, from what, what Aaron Lewis told me to, to that, uh, to that defensive line was not at the game. He had a health scare during the week and they rallied around him from, from what I understand. First of all, Marquise, you listen, hope you're feeling better. Number one, number two, I mean, again, that's like, we've heard a lot about family and community and all that stuff, but they're trying to build with the culture. I think that's obviously a good sign. And all the defensive linemen who came into the to, to the postgame press conference mentioned that. 
Yep. Yep. And and we don't have many details about it. They're obviously respecting Marquis Watson's uh, privacy, given it's a medical event. But I spoke to someone this morning who said he he's, sounds like he's doing much better, uh, which is a good sign. And uh, from the sound of it yesterday, they expect him to be back soon. I believe Greg Schnell said that they're optimistic they'll get him back soon. Uh, so hopefully uh, by next Saturday's game against Temple, he'll be back on the sidelines. What I what I love about a home college football game is like there's a game within a game, the best way to put it. And the scene, the scene at uh, the stadium, uh, it was fun. I mean, it was a good crowd. I thought I got it funny. Like I'm usually the guy who says I, you know, give a crowd number, and it's that's come on, this isn't the right. I thought it was like really like well attended to the fact that I got a couple emails like, man, you called the you called the stadium packed. It was not packed. I'm like, wow, I look packed to me. I mean, who, who knew I would have been on the other side of that? Uh, but so my favorite part of this was. And I'll set the scene, Pat, for for those readers who are sitting there in the press box. You finally wait for like the first football game of the year. Get to have something in front of us. See what this team looks like. And all of a sudden, Fonseca disappears. And he's out. He's gone. He's out in the stadium. The news. The news. Dylan Harper is in the building. And that was. He was just like. He was just. He would into the concourse, running around, following it. So it was just funny to to kind of watch that unfold. I looked over at Lanny. I'm like, uh, what happened to the other guy? And that was it. So that was the big news. And I mean. I don't know. We we kind of speculated on this, and, and Brian, you can tell me what you saw out there with him. But I cannot imagine again. Like if if this if he is going to spend like an entire Saturday Sunday afternoon around fifty thousand Rutgers fans and his big brother and soak in the scene here, he like, he's not going to Kansas, right? I mean, come on, come well, on. The- the, the fact he wasn't at Kansas this weekend is a great sign because they were trying to get – they had a, a four or five really high-level recruits there this weekend on an official visit. They There was reporting that they wanted Dylan to join that group. There was speculation that he might. So to see him come to Shy Stadium instead is a great sign. I was told he's there just visiting because his brother wanted to come to the game. It's his last weekend before he goes back to Toronto to prepare for the NBA season. And – uh Dylan decided to hop along, him and a couple of their friends. Uh, Zay Brown, a fellow teammate from Don Bosco, was there as well. Um, so that was part of it. But the fact that he is at a football game, a packed football game, uh, and he got to see the reaction that people have to him, again, is always good. Um, so to take you through the Harper hysteria I went through, I went from <laughs> Messi Mania to Harper hysteria. Um, I'm sitting in the press box, and there's about you know 20 minutes till kickoff. And I look at the student section, and there's this giant tarp that says Harper University. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting that the football fans are doing a basketball tarp at a football game. Let me go take a photo of it because I like to take photos of the riot squads, TIFOs and what have you. And I take a photo and I'm chatting with a couple people. And one kid's like, yeah, he's going to he's gonna commit today. I'm like, because of the sign? He's like, yeah, yeah, he's going to be at the game. He's going to be here. I'm like, there, there's there's no way. There's no way. And I talked to a couple people and confirmed it. Yes, yeah, Dylan Harper was expected to be at the game. He pops by, uh, gets a nice little pop from the crowd when he walks by, uh, stands on the sideline where the recruits usually do. You know, Pat Hobbs comes over, introduces himself. His wife introduces herself. Tony Petiti, the Big Ten commissioner, uh, gets introduced to Dylan Harper and Ron Harper Jr. And then they go to their seats and everyone seemed like they were like, is this, is that Dylan Harper? Like, I, I see like some people sitting around him were kind of in awe of like, is this, is this really him? It was quite the scene. Uh, he eventually, uh, around the second quarter, walked out of his seats, went to the concourse, and I believe went into the club area. A lot of fans in that area took photos with him and posted it on Twitter. Yeah. 
Yeah, he didn't take a poster with a photo with the poster. I'm my understanding is that is an NCAA violation, and Rutgers does not want to get NCAA violations, obviously. But we'll have... can you imagine the, the the stuff they care about? That 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 that's what they're that's what they're worried about. It's very I mean... silly. It's very silly. But <laughs> to wrap this point around, yes, if Dylan Harper comes to that game like that and sees the crowd reaction to him, I think if for some reason he ends up doing an about face and not choosing Rutgers like we all expect. It won't be for a lack of trying from Rutgers fans and love from Rutgers fans. So, yeah, it was an interesting side quest to the first football game. I was excited, like you said, for months to finally get a look at Gavin Wimpson's offense. And I'm spending, uh, you know, a few minutes during the game running around after a basketball recruit. So he, he went into that club and it's like, like this Governor Murphy and Tammy Murphy were there. And it was the, the, v, this was the, v, the real VIP is here, Dylan Harper. And the governor is, oh, hey, look, Dylan Harper's in the club. Yeah, it's just funny stuff. Steve, why don't you tell the fans and listeners what you were saying in that moment when uh, Pat Hobbs got on the mic and was like introducing <laughs> Ron Harper Jr. Like, this is it. This is it, Rutgers fans. We can shut it all down here. Come on, if he had walked out, yeah, if he had walked, they grabbed the microphone and walked out to the R at center field, at, at the center of the field and said, I just want to say, y'all, I'm bleeping coming. The state, it would have just, the stadium would have just been sucked into the center of the earth it would there'd be no piscataway left it would have just been that's it we're done we're done here that's the high point of rutgers athletics we're just closing up shop that's we don't know games anymore that would have just been the moment of ecstasy for these people who's sitting out there in 98 whatever the heck it was the blazing sun the suddenly this kid walks in. you've been waiting for this moment if he had announced at halftime or any time of that game would have been, yeah, that would have been the end. I also thought that it would have been really funny if, oh, we're going to give away a TV and, oh, oh, here's a, here's a nice young man. I want your name, son. Here's a, like, if they just gave Dylan Harper the television at that moment, that would have been a good, that would have been a, oh, what a coincidence. Oh, (laughs) not that it was stuff with cash or anything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And an empty cardboard box stuffed with, well, for for Rutgers, it would be $1 bills, but that, you know, you could have maybe gotten a few twenties in there too. Come on, that would have been good. That would probably be an NCAA violation, but I think if you're Rutgers, you pay whatever fine comes with it. For like you said, literally the greatest <laughs> moment. I think if they won a national championship with Dylan Harper, it would not match the hype of him committing at midfield. <laughs> Although if he did, I think one of two disaster scenarios could happen. One, the fans storm the field and they have to cancel the game. <laughs> take a forfeit, cancel football season, and just move basketball season up two months. Or Greg Schiano gets wind of what's happening. He literally sprints from the sideline to tackle Dylan Harper and say, no, you are not doing this to me. Let, wait two months. Please don't do this. Or better, give, Greg will get one look at Dylan Harper and go, tight end, tight end. And that's it. <laughs> that would be, say, Michael, freaking sorry. Sorry, I'm taking him. That's it. He's going to be, we need a guy who can catch the, catch a pass in the corner of the end zone. We've got him, Dylan Harper. Yeah, that, that's that's fun. All right, let's do true or false. I've got some topics for you, a bunch of them. Finally, have a game to talk about, so let's hit at this. You guys know the rules. Here we go. All right, true or false? Calm down, Politi. Northwestern is by far the worst non-Wagner team Rutgers will play. Fonseca, are we taking this too far? Or true or false? That feels a bit much. I would say they're Temple tier. I would say, but they're two or three worst teams they'll face this year. Yes, worst Big Ten team they'll face easily. Right. Yep. Okay. Pat, I agree completely. Yep. Right on Temple, part with Temple. True or false? 53,000 was the announced crowd, and that number is way off. Brian, true or false? You love putting me in this situation, don't you? I love, of course. I know what you're going to do. Well, I'll just say this. The capacity crowd at Shy Stadium is listed as 52,454. 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe everyone was hiding in the concourse because in the shade because it was very hot. That's certainly possible. It was very hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe people, the entire second deck being mostly empty was because people didn't want to be standing on the surface of the sun. I'll give them the, the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but to answer your question, I'll say false. It was not way off, okay? Oh, it, I you think it true. was. You think it was for like 50,000, 40,000? What do you think? I, I will say, you know, I, I'm no Jerry Carino. I will say 35 to 40, though. That sounds about really? right to me. That? I'm going to say a little bit higher, but uh, it was definitely not every seat was taken in crowd. There were right. definitely yeah. big gaps. There was a lot in the upper, de- upper deck, but again, like you mentioned, it must have been miserable to sit there. What I will say, it was packed in the lower deck, and the student section was great, so it was a good college atmosphere. So I'm going to say the number way off, false. Um, I, will agree, I will agree that it was a good yeah. crowd. I'm not trying to say that it, it was a great crowd. All things considered, a tremendous crowd. I'm just saying saying there's 53,000 people in a 52,000-person stadium. All right, true or false? The most underrated thing we're not talking about, just two penalties. Wow. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. Pat, true or false? It was a huge problem last year. Yes. Huge and just problem the, last year. I mean, no false starts. There must have been 15 false starts a game. I don't know. I'm exaggerating. It's not, but... the, it's not the most underrated, but it's up there. Okay, Brian. It's up there. True or false? I'll say true. I was actually uh, doing some early film review stuff and looking this up. Rutgers averaged eight penalties a game last year. Yeah, wow. That's uh, good. That's a good one. <laughs> true or false? The most underrated thing we're not talking about was no sacks. Wow. Pat, is that the is that the development you went really? Let me double check that. True or false? I mean, if you, you don't have Gavin playing the way he plays without that. So I'm going to say true. I thought the offensive line was great. Brian? I'll say, I'll say true. I, that's, that actually <laughs> stunned me. Yeah I, yeah, I don't remember a sack, but I would have thought, when's the last time Rutgers didn't give up a sack in a game? Yep. Good pass de- good pass protection. This is true for me. I, I, 100%. Uh, good pass protection and a couple of times Gavin stepped up in the pocket and eluded pass rush. So that was another good sign. All right, true or false? The biggest concern coming out of week one is the lack of separation by the receivers. We've talked about that ad nauseum. Pat, is that still a concern? True. Biggest, true. true. You think you think this is okay? True. Brian, is that your biggest concern? True to the extent that the fact they've the longest play they had all game was 20 yards and there was no real explosive plays. That's yeah. obviously a factor. So to that extent, I will say true. The lack of the vertical passing game was 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 jarring. All right. True or false, the biggest concern coming out of week one is still the offensive line and specifically run blocking. Uh, you guys both said true on the other one. Are you not concerned about this? I don't see it at all. I don't see it at all. Go to the fourth and ones. Go to the third and shorts. Like mm-hmm. in bully ball situations, Rutgers offensive line was really good. Brian? Yeah, I would say that there's no real concern. I just, again, to the fact that there was no explosive plays, they didn't open any really big holes. And even the big right. run Manungai had, he had to you know beat a guy – 
to uh, to get into the end zone for the touchdown. So it's I wouldn't say it's a concern. Like I'm not. I don't think it's going to be the doom of the. I agree with Pat. I thought the offensive mm-hmm. line played well, but I would have liked to see a big run, a big catch, that big something, and part of that does fall on the offensive line. I guess I was surprised. Running up the middle was 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 pretty hard. I know they made a change at center. That was a bit of a surprise there pregame. Um, and there weren't, again, 2. I think it's 2.8 yards. I am not. I don't have it in front of me, but it's a low average. But still, to your point, when they needed a couple of yards, they had a couple of yards. So that that's that's important stuff. So I'm going to say false as well. All right. And true or false, you really could fry an egg on Greg Shiano's head. If you had an egg, Pat, could you fry it on, on his head? Just for some context, this he was talking about... <laughs> <laughs> NCAA's ruling on Nassim Brantley not being eligible yes. made, him, made him so hot that you could fry an egg on his head. So let, let's let's put that out there. Yes. It wasn't that it was just so hot like the fans were. You could fry an egg on the front. Well, fans. true or false, could you fry an egg on the man's head? That's all you had to fry an egg He was there. so exhausted. He didn't even know what he was saying. False. That was, false. Brian? I'll say true. I yeah. thought he was going to break the podium the way he was gripping it so hard, trying to make himself not destroy the NCAA. <laughs> I so wish I, I was thinking about it for hours last night. Like, uh, what could I have said to set him off to make him say it? Uh, I dropped uh, the ball there, but I, I'm dying I, to know what right. what this violation. Uh, you could you could have, and it, it would have been. It's harder in the press conference situation if if we had him alone. I mean, it it it, it wouldn't have t- just the one little needle, and like just if he had just said like, well, I mean. Yeah, if it weren't for the NCAA, if you could have just like, oh, you guys might you could have just prodded them a little bit. And he would, and he would have popped. I think absolutely. And all right, so explain the situation. We don't have all the details of this, but uh, explain the situation with with, with Brantley. And, and is there any? Do you have any hope at this point that we're going to see him through training camp? It was a real mystery what was going on with Brantley because he missed all of spring practice with an injury, a previous injury. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he was here in time for spring, but didn't play in the spring because of an injury. Then all of a sudden, he wasn't really out there, and. You know, there were rumblings, maybe he's heard, I don't know uh, what's what exactly was going on, but it turns out it's this violation that we have no clarity on. So really hard to say, but I I <laughs> I wrote a couple pieces at the time when he transferred, like this could be a guy that has the body, you know, he, had, he landed on some NFL draft boards, like there were high hopes for this guy. Yeah. The two the two things that stick out, so he obviously, uh, this is also, this is not just a one-time thing for Rutgers and Shiano. He was angry about the Drew Singleton thing uh, last year when 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 Singleton wanted to come back and and after putting his name in the drive, he was furious about that and he didn't get that appeal to, to have another one come against them. Um, and yeah, it's just, <laughs> come back to this a lot, like the stuff that the NCAA is still trying to rule on like i mean i could tell you a million things like the, the woman from from north carolina has to give up her the 80 grand she won at the u.s open because when when you know when Livy dunn's getting three million dollars a year from playing and still as a gym the gym there's just stuff that's crazy that's happening in the NCAA. I mean, it's just another one throw throw another log on the pile i mean it, so i'm sure that's part of it too so just a couple things when we ask greg channel about nasim brantley at Big Ten media days, he said he was going to be a full go for training camp. So at least at the start of training camp, he was expected to be healthy. Yep. Um, Nassim Brantley, I believe, is a grad transfer, which is important because Rutgers is his third school. He started at Sacred Heart, went to Western Illinois, mm-hmm. and I was at Rutgers. Obviously, if you're a grad transfer, you get immediate eligibility. I believe you still have to get a waiver, but those are essentially just rubber stamped. Maybe there is an issue there. I am speculating. I don't know. We yeah. don't know. 
but fr- it seems more on the NCAA side than on Brantley's side, given how hot Greg Schiano was about it. Right. Um, so that's that's my that's my sure. somewhat. He, he wouldn't he wouldn't get hot like that if it was if it was uh, administrative couple classes missing that guy kind of stuff. I've been around him enough to know that that he would see that right, this is on our end. So it's gonna be, it's gotta be something that yeah, uh, and I just wonder why it's not resolved now, why it came to game time, and if that's the case, I mean that I I think it's a bad sign because it's certainly not the NCAA, the gears of that organization do not move to your timetable. So I think that that would be a concern of that you know if he's not eligible now, I don't I wouldn't expect to see him out there for the Temple game. We shall see. All right, uh, questions. We had a lot of them, obviously from me from everyone. Thank you. I think we had like in the triple digits here from people texting and tweeting questions that we wanted to have answered. Um, this is a big picture one I want to start with. Uh, would any of you change your total wins, wins prediction after this game? Um, I'm still at five, but more of a confident five. Jeff Steer says, um, that's a great point. Pat, you were at six. I doubt. Are you going to go? Would you? No, no I'm not going <laughs> right. to. We're this up to the seven or eight, but uh, I'm going 10. I'm sticking at six. Yeah. And I yeah. thought Rutgers just did exactly what I, I mean, if you listen to my prediction, this was exactly the game that I thought they were going to play. So I think the, yeah, the, the best part, I think confident five is where I would be, Brian, you know, I mean, like, I think that, yeah, that that's how I, do you, are you going to go six now? You, you're going to pop what you thought of? Well, I w- originally thought that five was probably the ceiling. Whereas mm-hmm. now I think five could be a reasonable floor and six be the ceiling. You know, I, I I am encouraged after this. And especially if you watch the way Ohio State play against Indiana, I don't know, Steve, there might be a big time upset at Shy Stadium later this year. Oh, wow. That's a good point. Yeah, they I did really know. play defensively well. It's, uh, I, I guess I want to see, I still want to see it. I want to see more. And we get, so we get another team that Rutgers should dominate against Temple. All right. So by Virginia Tech, and I think we'll have a better idea if they're sitting at three and zero, and they've won all those games by double digits. Well, maybe, maybe Jeff, we will change our opinion. Um, all right. Let's see what else we got. Um, uh, running game was terrible. It's <laughs> a bunch of, and I'm just Pat. I know where you feel about this, but there were a bunch of comments about where's the running game. Running game was terrible. Can it improve against Big Ten teams? that are much better than Northwestern. What happened to Salam? Someone wants to know. Seemed like he's buried on the depth chart. Alex from Freehold wanted to know that one. Uh, Rocco and Florida, they couldn't, offensive line couldn't open up any lanes for the running backs. I mean, I guess, how much of this, are you, you got a true freshman, you're missing Sam Brown, you're missing Aaron Young. And are the, are the readers just wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I a think, lot. There are a lot of them if they're wrong. You've got to put the game in perspective sometimes. I, I know this sounds like such a Shiano line and, and coach talk, but like the game dictated itself when Rutgers needed to run the ball, like it ran the ball really well. Like there was only maybe that drive at the end of the half that didn't go Rutgers way. Everything else went Rutgers way. So like, I don't understand. Uh, I, I'm just going to say loyal listeners. I think you're wrong. <laughs> Brian, you agree? They ran the ball effectively. Yeah. I thought they ran the ball fine. I don't think it's inc- – I mean, I, I'm – Rutgers dominates a Big Ten opponent. Like, maybe we haven't seen since they destroyed Indiana a couple years ago and people are finding whatever flaws they could find. I thought they were fine. I don't think it's a reason for concern. I think they could have been better. I think they were good enough. Yeah, uh, I, and, uh, I, I agree. To your point on Salam, he was nicked up in training camp uh, and just kind of is easing his way back. I, I think he's he is – Unfortunately, just look at this room. How do you split up carries? Say, say when 
Samuel Brown does come back and and Young comes back. I mean, there are five guys that are legit options course, to carry yeah. the ball. So someone's going to have to get buried. But I think Salam not carrying the ball was more a product of he's easing his way back into the rotation. Yeah. And Manunga's got to be on the field too. I mean, yeah, I, I, I yeah. just that block that he is just he's a football he's a football player on that like Brian Leonard get him out there wherever you have to get him out there kind of deal. Um, do we think so? Just because a lot of questions on Sam Brown and Aaron Young. My sense was Brown could have played in that game, but they wisely want to give him another week. Aaron Young was a different story. What do you think for Temple? Sam Brown, I watched him warm up. I watched him. He was dressed. He came out. It looked like he still had a bit of a of a limp and was kind of laboring through the warmups. So I think if they had, let's say they were playing a you know a game to clinch a bowl, I think he would have played. But I think, like you said, they wisely just held him out because they have enough firepower to win against Northwestern without him. Aaron Young sounded like it was a tweak at the end of the week, like on a Thursday. Um, I don't know. I think he has a chance to come back to Temple. It didn't sound like Greg said believed it was a long term thing. Um, so I, I think I would, I would assume he has a chance of being back at temple. You feel, you feel for him. Cause he looked really good in camp, had a big scrimmage injured last year, came back. It, yeah. You hope you hope he's, it's not a long-term thing. Uh, all right. Some more personnel issues, uh, Alex and Freehold surprised. We didn't see players like Moses Walker, Kess Abraham on defense. Brian, you said you did the snap count. Uh, where were those two guys? And were there other, any other guys who were surprising in their absence? So, one guy that stands out, Jaquay Jackson only played 12 snaps, but it did look like in the first half he got hit hard on a play and kind of uh, left the game, came back in the second half. So I'm not sure how much of of um, those low snaps were a result of that. Um, Moses Walker, I didn't notice him during the game. I'm surprised that he didn't play, but it you're right. It looks like he did not play a snap. Um, he, was healthy. he was healthy. I think he warmed up. So I don't <laughs> think it was a health issue there. Maybe... They stuck to their standard starting linebackers who played very well, and they just didn't need to put him in. I don't know. And who was the other guy you asked about? Cass Abraham. They're just stacked at quarterback, uh, very deep. Max Melton and Robert Longerbeam played almost every snap. And had they, a great, and both had a great game. I should too. I should correct that. They played literally every defensive snap Rutgers right. had. Played a great game. Each had an interception. Eric Rogers filled in as the third guy when they, and yep. uh, he's probably their third center cornerback. Uh, so it's just a matter. It's it's much like Salam, you know. It's there's a lot of depth at that position, and kind of someone has to be odd, the odd man out. Um, I'm sure he will play at some point, but for now, Rutgers is uh, very top heavy at that position. It's interesting because the odd man out in these days ends up in the portal. So I wonder how you how you manage that. As I'd be interested to ask Greg Shannon that question, like how you manage that now that you have some depth. Clearly, they're doing it on the defensive line because uh, give me this. Do you have the snap count for for that position because the rotation there, you know, it seemed like. Every time I looked up, there was a different group. I could be wrong. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, they played 64 defensive snaps per pro football focus. Yep. Aaron Lewis played most of them. He played 57. Uh, but then uh, you have guys like Renee Conga playing 24, Isaiah Aiton playing 20, uh, playing 33. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Jordan Thompson playing 28. Kenny Fletcher wow. played 23. Uh, mm-hmm. Wesley Bailey played 13, but that was injury um, related. Uh, so, yeah, a ton of guys playing, you know, dozens is, of Is snaps. Bailey okay? Well, is Bailey okay? The way Greg Shell discussed it, it sounds like it, it's not going to be a long term thing. I would, I could definitely see him back by Temple, but if he were to miss a game, I would only guess one because I did see him limp off the field into the tunnel. So he's obviously hurting. Uh, but the way Greg initially reacted to the injury doesn't seem like it's going to be a long term thing. 
Brian, got to uh, have you pull Francesa here. Can you do one more uh, personnel <laughs> snap count here? Because Greg was talking about the rotation on the offensive line, and I did did definitely notice that Taj White filled in at left tackle for Holland Pierce a little bit. That may have been a cramping issue, um, but that was surprising. And then he also mentioned that they did rotate offensive linemen. Not that I noticed it all that much, um, but I'm curious to see what see the other offensive linemen that got in the game. Sure. Uh, this will all be in my film review Tuesday morning at a much more uh, clean and detailed, but for a quick snapshot, Rutgers played 74 offensive snaps. Holland Pierce played 54 and Taj White played 20. So um, he got some run. I believe in this first half, he got some run. Um, and then the only players that played Almost every snap were Gusilinskis at center. Interesting. Okay. Island Brown played one snap. I don't know if it was the last drive. I, I didn't get to see the full game replay. Um, and the other one was, uh, sorry, I had to, uh, Tyler Needham at right tackle played 73 out of 74 snaps. Interesting. Uh, right, everyone... Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> While you've got it, keep going. I want the tight ends too. Was oh, it yeah. all Johnny Langan or did the, did the kid from Maine play? Well, hold on. Kobe Asamo played 66 out of 74 snaps at left guard. And Mike Trifoni played eight. Um, this is all PFF. Uh, you want to know tight ends? I got your tight ends, pal. We got Johnny Langan, 63 out of 74 snaps. Okay. Um, who else played tight end, tight end, tight end? Sean Bowman played 28 snaps. Obviously, there were some. Didn't see him at all. It's funny. There were some plays. They played two tight ends, obviously. Yep. Um, that's it. I believe that's it. Yeah, I don't yeah. have Victor Kanopka in here. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, that Johnny Langan mostly, some Sean Bowman mixed in. Okay, there you go. So, uh, and he did, and and to the to the uh, point about the offense too. And I I asked Greg Channel, I was like, "Is this your offense? Like, is this what we're going to see?" Uh, and he said, "Look, they held they they held some things back." So, I, I mean, I'll be interested against uh, if it is a, if if there's more vertical passing. Certainly, you would think that would be one thing we would see more of against Temple, a team that you would you didn't be able to move the ball on. I don't. know. We'll find out. But it's interesting to the 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 way it looks here all right other questions uh we've got a lot so a lot of questions about game day stuff which i didn't notice and so one was are these new scoreboards number one and then diane wanted to know uh while enjoying the game we noticed the main scoreboard no longer contained information about the actual game score time yard line down etc and it's so great you said this dan because like a couple of times i looked up there and I just assume I'm looking in the wrong place. Like I've, cause I'm, I'm, I'm in a million stadiums and I'm always, I'm always looking for, what is it? Third down where, and I, by the time I, I give up and just wait for the next play. Um, so what's the scoreboard situation guys? Do you have any idea? They definitely read the scoreboard. Yeah. 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 Uh, they made it fully, fully extended. So that all those advertisements are on the side uh, that you saw on the, on the big, the big one. Right. But I'm pretty sure that I saw the down distance and football information on the little scoreboard. And the little and scoreboard. Be, I, I don't know. That's where I was looking. But it would be pragmatic to put that on the giant scoreboard, I would say. I would assume it's probably like an NCAA rule that you have to have the score, time, and place of the ball somewhere in the stadium for the players to look. But Maybe not. Maybe it's a competitive advantage. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was someplace up there. I can't can't imagine. But yeah, Nick, I'll, I'll look on Saturday night and get back to you. All right. So then a bunch of so people were roasting, and I like I was roasting in the press box, and it's air conditioned, 
so I can imagine how bad it was out there. Uh, one reader, can we please get a sunshade thingy? Some fans are getting older and can't sit in that sun for that long. We don't need a dome, just one of those sun sails. I don't know how logistically that would work, but I'll I'll pass it on to Kevin McConnell and see if you can fix that. Um, and they also wanted to know like, how much revenue is beer generating? Because <laughs> it's $15 a can. My poor dad paid for my popcorn and his beer and got no change for his 20. Yikes. And so I got to just tell, like, this is... And this is obviously not just Rutgers. If you go to Yankee Stadium, you can get like a, a can of Pabst Blue Ribbon for $17. This is just the world now. But yeah, I'd be interested to know if alcohol sales have ticked up. I'm sure you guys don't have the answer. Pat wrote about this in the summer. He did. Uh, did I'm he? trying to pull it. I, maybe, I I was on vac- I maybe I was on vacation for that one. Yeah. Huh. Um, July 7th. Oh. Um, yep. I was in Hawaii. The yes, athletics this, department this. grossed more than $1.6 in alcohol sales at Shy Stadium in Jersey Mike's Arena. Huh. Not too shabby. This is before that, uh, that that money goes to offsetting scholarship debt, uh, which is, exceeds more than 16 million. So right. they knock off a little bit of the scholarship funds. And this is another good one. Can you do some digging on why security is tighter at SHI than a Taylor Swift concert? <laughs> I waited 25 minutes in line only to find my wife couldn't bring her tiny person. We shuttled from Livingston to go all the way back. That's a long story. Um, it, it, if So there's lockers there and there are lines for the lockers. All right. I think we we all, if you've gone to the Rutgers games for years and I don't have to wait in, we don't have to wait in and we've got a press pass, go straight in. But this has been a a familiar theme. Like this, I guess the scanners worked this game, but this game it was the security line. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I think the only answer here is to a not bring a bag. That just you don't bring a bag to any stadium. If your wife has a small purse, tell her sorry. Put it in your pocket. Don't bring a bag, and just expect get there, get there 20, 30 minutes before. Get early. You know, only I mean, it's just always going to be something. Yep, that's true for I would say most venues, most sporting venues, most concert venues, just that's the way it is. A lot of people, small space, everyone's trying to get in at the same time is what it is. Isn't the big uh, thing at the Taylor Swift concert with the, the wristband exchange or uh, yes. you know, trade bracelets, you know, you can sneak those in, but you can't sneak those into a Rutgers game, you know, can't get that by security. No, exactly. Yeah. It's tough. It's, it's uh Let's do a bracelet exchange outside SHI Stadium. That'd be that'd be cute. Why do we, I'm surprised we don't have that at the boardwalk? Right. So this is a great this is a great line. Ryan Dunleavy. There we go. If you're reading, if you read all Rutgers things and you're a subscriber to Post Plus, Ryan Dunleavy, a former Rutgers beat writer, was at the game. And he works for the Post now and had a good interview with Pat Hobbs about the Big Ten. But there's a line in there that Pat Hobbs was like, "I want a roller coaster on the boardwalk." That's like his last. So I mean, you know, they they recognize that they've got a good thing at the boardwalk. But I don't know. Roller coaster. That'd be pretty cool. All right. Uh, one more question. Rashad Rochelle looked very uncomfortable fielding punts, resulting in one fumble. It didn't hurt Rutgers today, but sure will in the future. Uh, if Rashad doesn't improve, who else can Rutgers use to field punts that's sure-handed? That's Gus from Fumlington. I was a little surprised. I thought he was going to be a bigger factor in the offense. I just saw him like, you know, being on the field more. He wasn't. Yeah. So what's the what's going on with that? Yeah, Aaron, I was going to say Aaron Young is probably the best special team, another option of special teams in the return game. And obviously he was out. So I think he's a return guy as as option 1A for Rochelle. But yeah, I I thought that was uh, odd too, because I thought Rochelle was going to be like a really good slot player this year. 
but it just seemed that Christian Dremel was really stepped up in that role and kind of locked it down. And he had a nice game too. So when you muff a punt at Rutgers, it's not going to be a fun week for Mr. Rochelle. Yeah. And special teams were, were kind of uh, not great, not terrible, but missed a field goal, muffed the punt. Uh, and he was great on kickoffs. I think he was I, great on kickoffs. And one that did not go out the back of the end zone. Right. And then, and the new Corsac, as I will call him, was pretty good too. He didn't, he didn't have to punt until like one was you know, two minutes That's left in the sick. first half. Yeah. Yeah. He was okay. But otherwise, I, yeah. But, I was just surprised with the Rochelle thing that Rochelle muffed a punt one, the first time that didn't result in a turnover. Uh, but Greg Xiao, I saw him sprint across the sideline to talk to Rochelle and he chatted with him for about two minutes. So I thought his day was done. Uh, I was surprised that they put him out again a second time. And then obviously he muffs the punt and it leads to Northwestern ending the shutout. Yeah, I don't know if if uh, th- that will be the end of Rochelle fielding punts. I would have to think that there's a chance of that. Uh, but I just thought it was weird that they put him out a second time after he um, – you, know, you mess up one time, I'm sure it's in his head. You mess up a second time, I think that's pretty tough for a guy's confidence. All right. That's all the questions uh, we can field today. Thanks a ton for them. If we missed yours, I'm sorry. What else do we got? Anything else happened this weekend? We, I do want to say, uh, I do want to uh, give a nice shout out to the Rutgers communication staff. Uh, first game of the season, they really, really stepped up. They got nine, I think eight players, nine players after the game for us, which is yeah, it was great. Yeah, is, is great. We really appreciate it. Always, they they work very hard. They have very long days on game days, uh, so they they did a lot of work getting them out of the locker room and up to us. So we appreciate that. We appreciate their hospitality in general. Uh, I don't, no one really cares about the press box, but we, we had a good time. The halftime hot dogs were tremendous as always. Yeah. I just wanted to give those guys their due. Uh, we appreciate them. Yep, yep. And it was good to hear from some of the players you hadn't seen yet. Like Ian strong, like you get, get to see him up close. And I just, I had forgot. It's funny. I like, do you talk to him? I kind of forgot that he had switched from like, he's been playing receiver for six months essentially like he switched position from strong safety which is amazing when you think about that transition he looks like he's got the he's got the kenny Britt kind of build which is huge but we uh, benjamin was in there too we talked to him for the first time so it was good to like at least i talked to him for that i know you guys might have gotten him in camp but yeah, it was it was good that they brought some players out that i wasn't expecting that they'd bring so that was good yeah i was gonna say uh we often do the shianoisms and one of the shianoisms that was talked about in the press box after the game was that he gave a shout out to Pahokee, Florida for Jay Sean Benjamin mm. and a shout out to uh, St. Anthony's High School for Ian Strong. And we were like, was this a recruiting uh, ploy? Of course it what, is. What were the intentions of this? Uh, Absolutely. It's not for the Pahokee, Florida Chamber of Commerce. Absolutely. <laughs> Sending the message to Florida. Yeah, that, that was good. He's got, yeah. I, I picked him that, that too. I kind of smile when he did that. That was great. Um, all right. So no games, no soccer, no nothing. Well, we got field hockey off to a four no start. Um, they go. did uh it seems like a Pac-12 solidarity tour. Uh they went to California, played Stanford and Cal. Um, we're now going to the ACC. Rest in peace, the Pac-12 was now the Pac-2. And they also <laughs> by the way, rest in peace, the ACC for that move. But we don't we don't get into that. But holy crap, that's yeah. Just why don't you just why don't you just give the why don't you just ask Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina to go now? Because that's all they're doing is trying to get ready for them to leave. So anyway, sorry, yeah. rant over. The Atlantic Coast Conference having Stanford is quite the um quite the name. They gotta change it to the all coast conference, if you ask me. That really is salvageable. Um, they so they won those three games against UC Davis, Stanford, and Cal while they were in California, and they come back to the East Coast and defeat number fifteen UConn in Stores, Connecticut, in wow. a overtime win. So a uh, big start for Meredith Civico's Scarlet Knights. Men's and women's soccer 
not having such a great start. Uh, I believe the women tied with Princeton and the men lost to Princeton. Good that they're playing their in-state rival. Not so great that they're not getting the results. So um, I would say field hockey is by far and away the best Olympic sports team right now. Volleyball, which Pat gave a shout out to last week for a, smart, a strong start. They're four and one now, which is good. They almost defeated NC State. Speaking of the ACC, lost in five sets. Good start for uh, good start for volleyball. There you go. All right. If you're new to what's going on this year, we're gonna we're gonna make our picks. Rutgers is a ten point favorite over Temple. We're gonna make our picks on a Friday pod or late in the week pod, uh, and we'll do the because it was a big success the <laughs> the alum the alumni game, or as Mike Vorkanoff, former Sterlinger uh, writer, called uh, the Boomer Zoomer segment. So um, <laughs> we'll do that again, and we will and we will come clean that. That none of us, not just Brian, none of us knew who William Jennings Brian was. Just, just to be clear, we uh, that that was me. A total that we'll have to come clean on that. But we'll do that segment on Friday as well. I think that's all we got. Anything else, guys, fellas? Final well, thoughts? I, I want free points for that William Jennings Bryant right, miss. Get, I, yeah, I I totally knew William Jennings Bryant. All right. Right. You, you, you were bragging about paying sat, attention in history right. class, and then you didn't even correct Politi when he said I sat he, there and said he debated Lincoln, and the man wasn't born yet. I mean, that was a, that's a bad mistake. It's Stephen Douglas. I got confused right, in my brain. Right. I, you know, there's sometimes I don't want to interrupt the host, but <laughs> I knew he was a... Uh, a Scopes trial. Yeah, he's a three-time presidential candidate. I mean, the dude, yeah. I thought he was... Yeah. Okay. I was shocked at how passionate people were about, like... Like, people I've never heard of in my life. Like you, the way people reacted. Some guy said that me not knowing who he is is a failure on the Carney High School History Department, <laughs> as though we're supposed to spend two months on some. Like, what are we talking? We're not talking about Abraham Lincoln here, guys. It's incredible. Like, listen, I I'm not trying to defend myself. I should know who half these people are. I understand, but gosh darn man, like it's not. What what are we doing here? Going to go down in history as a three-time presidential candidate as well, Steve. That you know, hundred years from now, we're some some potter is going to have to know about uh, Donald Trump, governor (laughs) Chris Christie's (laughs) three presidential runs. I'm just going to tell you, just so just so you're prepared, Abraham Lincoln, not a Temple graduate. So (laughs) the Temple, the Temple list. I've been I've been doing extra work on it. The Temple list. I don't want to be blamed. I'm going to try to make it easier. But there is not a list of like this. Oh, well, of course. Oh, he went to Temple too. So just be prepared. Going to be tough. All right. That little teaser on that note. Sign off for the week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back on Friday to talk about Temple. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.